families. Everyone has a family. Some people have good families. Some people have bad families. But today we're going to take a look at three cases of very unusual families. First off, how would you feel if one of your loved ones came back from the dead only to set your clothes on fire? Then we meet a man who all he ever wanted was companionship. Instead, he found vengeance. Blood-soaked vengeance. And finally, we ask the question, do we belong to part of a galactic brotherhood? Is Earth part of a federation of space families? Or are we the intergalactic black sheep? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. You guys heard the intro. We got a ton of stuff to cover, but first off, one of the most important things is our newest Patreon supporter coming into Dead Rabbit Command. Everything's all Thanksgiving-y. We got all these Thanksgiving decorations up, which is just a bunch of turkeys, just a bunch of drawings of turkeys. It's Kinsey. Everyone give a round of applause to Kinsey walking into Dead Rabbit Command. Kinsey, put your hand on that piece of paper and trace that turkey. While Kinsey's doing that just a quick reminder thanksgiving november 25th 10 a.m pacific standard time on youtube if you go to my youtube channel dead rabbit radio we are doing a live stream so i really hope you guys those are always a lot of fun we just kind of chat you can ask me questions it's it's pretty freewheeling i might juggle i won't i won't i'll just pretend i'll have my back to the camera and do dad jokes the whole time it will be awesome It'll be awesome, so I really hope you guys join us for that. And then I also want to say this is going to be the last episode for this week. The live streams take a lot out of me, uh, for whatever reason. They actually make me quite nauseous. I haven't been able to figure that out. You'd think it'd be the same thing as recording a podcast, but I think it's because I'm looking at myself... I'm looking at a video of myself. It really makes me sick to my stomach. It always has. So when you guys see me doing a live stream, as much as I love being with you guys and interacting with you guys, understand that I also get motion sickness and I have not been able to figure that out. I'd like to do more live streaming, but I got to be honest, I look at a lot of YouTubers and a lot of podcasters and they get that live stream thing going and they no longer put out like tightly edited content. They'll just play Minecraft for three hours. That concerns me. That is honestly one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of live streams is I don't I like the podcast. I like the the constructed stories. <laughs> I don't know why I'm bagging on live stream, and I want you guys to join our live stream, and I hope you guys do. And this will be the last episode for the week. And I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving <laughs> asking you guys to come to a live stream and then bad mapping live streams. But right now, Kinsey, I'm gonna go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're leaving behind Dead Ravica Man. We are headed all the way out to Middle Ages France. <laughs> The reason why we're headed to old-timey France is we're about to meet a man, a saint, really, a literal saint, named Saint Odilio of Cluny. Now, this guy is well-known for a couple different things. One of them was that he led one of the first mass peace movements in world history. The Catholic Church was like, oh, dude, this sucks. Dude, there's just people getting killed all the time. People weren't gathering in large groups because they were getting murdered. People weren't going to church because they were getting murdered. It was all-out warfare in the Middle Ages. You had the fall of the Roman Empire, and then it was just chaos. 
You had armies fighting armies. You had brigands fighting local soldiers. You had city-states attacking city-states. And all these feudal chiefs and the Catholic Church is like, oh my god, dude, we can't get anything done with all of this brutal, brutal warfare. So they started, there's two things that came together with this. The truce of God, or limited warfare, and the peace of God, which meant civilians were off limits. This was 980, this was 989 AD. And they're finally codifying this. Because if you look at the Bible historically, there would just you would constantly have stories about the Israelis wiping entire civilizations off the map. That it was total warfare. It wasn't just a video game, it was something that societies actually used to do to each other. So the Catholic Church spearheaded, no pun intended, the very first mass peace movement. And Odilio was a big part of that. He also was a big part of pushing this thing known as All Souls Day, which is where you pray for the people lost in purgatory. So in Catholicism, let's say me and Julia were walking down the street and we're both killed at the same time. A steamroller <laughs> squishes us. I'm the first person to get squished because I'll tell you right now, the only thing worse than getting run over by a steamroller is being the second person run over by a steamroller because you see what it does to that other guy's guts. But we both die at the same time. She was a good Catholic. She spent most of her life helping the poor and giving to charity and praying for people and doing all that stuff. While myself, I was like an okay Catholic, right? But I spent a lot of time like playing video games, watching YouTube, really not paying attention to stuff. Should we both go to heaven? Yes. But should she go to heaven quicker because she was a good Christian on earth? That is what purgatory is. So purgatory, me and her would both go to purgatory. We'd have a brief waiting period. She's no Mother Teresa herself, but she may be in purgatory for 50 years and I may be in purgatory for 400 years, a lifetime of infidelity, overeating, and just general slothness. That's a rule in Catholicism to make it fair. That's why you should dedicate your life to the church now so you have less time in purgatory. But Odilio of Cluny, he pushed this thing called All Souls Day. And nowadays it's an official holiday in the Catholic religion. On November 2nd is a time to pray for the people who passed before you. Because by praying for people in purgatory, it makes it a much shorter time that they're there. And it's really interesting. The reason why Odilio came up with this idea was he heard a story. This this is an urban legend, a creepypasta from the Middle Ages, because it's so weird. I can't believe that. I can't believe that this actually changed and became part of official religion holiday. Odilio came up with this because he had a buddy who got lost on an island one day. And his buddy's boat crashed on this island, and the only other person on the island was a hermit. And the hermit goes, hey, dude, it's good to see you here. You probably won't be here long. We're not really in the middle of nowhere, apparently. The people did get rescued, but we're going to be here for a bit. And I'm going to tell you this, Friar. This island kind of sucks, because ever so often, a, port a portal opens up, and you hear nothing but screaming coming from the other side. And the friar's like, what are you talking about? How long have you been on this island? How many psychedelic mushrooms are growing here? And the hermit goes, only five. But that has nothing to do with the portal that opens up. The portal opens up and it's people from purgatory screaming, screaming out for prayer. 
And I, every time it opens up, I just pray that it shuts real quickly. But maybe you can do something about it, right? You're a you're a you're a friar, right? So basically, he told the equivalent of a spooky story, and this story would then got to Odilio, and Odilio wanted this All Souls Day. It's so fascinating because Odilio of Cluny is a very very well. He's a saint. He's a very well known in the Catholic faith. There's not a, there's a lot of information about him. There's not a lot of information about this event. I've seen it repeated several times that their portal opened up on the island, but some versions he's on the island and some versions he just hears the story. But we don't know what island. Like, I really want to know what island you can hear purgatory from. That'd be dope. But then we have this. This is really, I mean, that's all interesting historical religious trivia. Or if you follow that religion, you're like, Jason, it's not trivia. It's what I believe. But the reason why I wanted to talk about it was I recently found an article written by Jody Smith for Ranker.com. In Rome, there's a little church called the Church of the Sacred Heart of Suffrage. And inside the little church, there's a little room. And that little room is called the Museum of the Souls of Purgatory. Back in 1897, a fire broke out in this church. And the fire brigade came in with their buckets of water. And that was the most advanced technology they had. They're probably like throwing ice cubes through the window as well. And they've put it out. The fire's not still burning to this day. They put it out, but one of the friars at the church, Friar Victor Jote, saw, burned onto the wall, the face of a man. Oh! screaming in pain. Now, it wasn't actually screaming, it just looked like it, but Fryer had a vivid imagination. He goes, I bet you that that dude's trapped in purgatory, and that's his, like, face coming through the wall. <laughs> All the other Friars are like, oh, great. This guy's just going to tell spooky stories the rest of the time he's here. And he probably did, because eventually they said, hey, tell you what, Fryer, you leave... We're not firing you. We actually want you to travel around the world looking for other items touched by purgatory people. Now, how would you even start a quest like that, right? Someone said, I want you to go find items that an angel winked at. You'd be like, wow, you must be out of your mind. But Friar Victor took this as a challenge. And actually, it was his job. If he didn't do it, he'd probably get fired. He traveled the world and actually found 10 different relics that have been touched by people from purgatory. He found a book with three finger marks burned into it. Sizzle. He found this dude. He goes, hey, man, if you're not impressed by the book, I got more. I got more. He meets this man and he goes, dude, Friar, you won't believe it. I heard you're looking for some purgatory stuff. This is crazy. I had a dream. My wife, she died a while ago. And I got to admit, I haven't been praying that much. I've been too busy trying to find the new lady for me. But one night she came to me in a dream and she said, dude, you're not praying about me. And I'm like, this purgatory thing totally sucks. And I was not a good Catholic on earth. I'm going to be here forever. You got to pray for me. And in the dream, she snatched the sleeping cap off my head because it's old timey and we still wore those. And when I woke up, my sleeping cap had burned fingerprints in it. And he pulls it out, <laughs> pulls it up dramatically and waves in front of the friar's face. Ha ha, here we go. So he's like, that's perfect. I want that for my museum. There was one nun, Mother Isabel Fornari. She said on All Souls Day 1731 in Todi, Italy, she was sitting at her desk. She's like, dum 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 How do you be a nun? No one ever gave me a guidebook. I'm just pretending I'm a nun until I retire. 
Hopefully no one will tell. This old priest dude who had died before showed up in her study. And she's like, ah, you got me. I was playing Minesweeper on this old-timey computer. He shows up and he's like, you have to pray for me. You have to pray for me. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in purgatory. And I did some stuff. I did some stuff that no one knows about. It's pretty awful. And he, like, puts his hand on her table. He burns his hand print into the table he burns a cross into the table too which is a little overdoing it like we get your alignment we get what you're doing here and then he grabbed her sleeve he grabbed like her clothes and burnt the sleeve of her clothes and she began to bleed Uh, it's all coming out of her so he's collecting these relics of these people who said they're seeing people from purgatory And then we have the most mysterious one from August, as opposed to the non-mysterious people reaching out from beyond the veil, from August to November 1919 at the Monastery of St. Leonardo in Montefalco, Italy. 30 banknotes are dropped off over the course of a couple months. Each one is about 10 lira. There's no burn marks. But the friars at this monastery believe that these are being left behind by someone in purgatory trying to bribe the friars to pray for them. That doesn't do any good because he's not leaving the note. You're just praying for general people. They don't know who this was for. But this was actually delivered. This was another item that was delivered to the museum. They made photocopies of it and then gave the money back to the Monastery of St. Leonardo. But if you go to this museum today, it's still in operation. You can see the photocopy of these bills. And that was the last item to be entered into the museum. Now you go, Jason, you said there were 10 items and you've only described three. Well, the other ones were kind of lame. They were just, again, a bunch of burn marks. I think you got the point. But what's odd is that Since Friar Victor died, no one has added anything more to the museum. And that fact is repeated several times. Like I said, there's some kind of wiggle room and different variations of the story, but they constantly say no items have been added since Friar Victor died. But Friar Victor died in 1912. He died in that room. He died in the museum. He died in 1912. And the banknotes showed up by all accounts, seven years later. So is it possible that Friar Victor is the one who was delivering those notes? A final signal that there is life after death. And it's miserable. He's literally bribing people to get him out of purgatory as soon as possible. So the creepy story, um, creepy museum. I wonder if these items... It's interesting because they stopped adding to it. So I'm wondering if the church, the Catholic church was like, this is a little goofy, right? This is a little too much. Um, Let's not not have the magical ghost stuff adding up the museum because you figured there'd be more of it. If you were able to collect 10 items... In such a short time span, in the time span of one man, you figured there'd be tons of this stuff out there. But really, really interesting, creepy museum, creepy story. And, and is that portal still out there? That portal to purgatory? Who knows? But, Kinsey, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. You're getting sucked into the portal right now. You're like, it's still here. It's still here. I'm like, who knows? The mystery will go on forever. Lost another listener. Kinsey, fire up that Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're leaving behind Rome. We're headed all the way out to Hollywood. This next one, guys, I'm telling you right now. It is a mix between a Dead Rabbit Recommends 
and a segment. I'm going to try to keep this short because I could go on and on about this. And I do plan on doing a full segment in the future. But I want to give you guys an opportunity to watch this for yourself. I saw one of my favorite movies the other day. I had never heard of it. I was researching a story. And I was researching, it was like three, four paragraphs on Wikipedia. I'm researching this. And at the ending of this narrative, it said, someone made a movie about this. And I watched the movie and it is amazing. It's called Mope. M-O-P-E. Now, I know 10 of you guys immediately started chuckling because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mope is the true life story of two men trying to make it in the porno business. They are, they describe themselves as the Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker of porn. And it is Joker. It is the movie Joker, but real. It is so fascinating. The character, the, the lead actor plays this man named Steven Driver who wants to be a porn star more than anything. But he sucks at it. And he teams up with this other guy. They become fast friends. This other guy, Tom Dong. That's his That's his fake name. That's his stage name. And he talks him. They both really love porn. And they meet on the set of a porn gangbang. And they are just become quick buddies. And you want... You, every actor does such an amazing job in this movie that you would not want to hang out with... Especially the star, Steven Driver. You would not want to hang out with this guy. And yet we've all worked with this guy. We've all had jobs with people like Steven Driver. The movie is fantastic. I will do a segment within the next couple of weeks about the story of Steven Driver and Tom Dung. But the movie is so well made. It's a super independent film. Right, the biggest star is David Arquette, and he's in it for just a couple of minutes. So if you hate him, you're fine. I don't mind him. I think the movie's funny. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. I was laughing so hard. I was having to rewind it because I was laughing so hard. And you're watching it, and it is so absurd, and it is true. It is true. I wa- read the Wikipedia page first. I knew what was coming, and I was still laughing out loud. I was still on the edge of my seat because it is Joker. It is the story of a man who, in a society, has nothing. And he can't get out of his head. And you're watching this movie. It's a, it's just brilliant. Like the last, I remember watching it and I was on the edge of my seat and I knew how it ended because I read the Wikipedia article. And even then, the last five minutes is really, it's some of the, it's so good. And it's a true story, but there is a scene in it that if the director does not understand like what sex magic is, it was the perfect visualization I've ever seen of sex magic in this movie, which is just using the human body and sexual activity as a focal point for um, for bending the universe. It's fat. It's such a good movie. Now, when I talk about, when I say it's a great movie, you know, like uh, Joker had all the cinematography and the score and all this stuff. It, it doesn't have that. It, it's, it has the limitations of its budget, but the stars are on point. The script is on point. You will laugh out loud. You will be disgusted. Disgusted. But it's a great film. It's a great film. If you're into if you're into screwball comedies, it's hilarious. If you're into people on the outskirts of society, it's a great look at that. 
I think it's far better than Joker, honestly. I think because it goes to where... And it's a true story. It happened. Even the most ludicrous parts of the movie. There's a scene in the middle of the movie that is so outrageous that you're like, they must have made this up. And it one hundred. not only did he do it, he did it multiple times in front of multiple people. So we will do a segment on it coming up, but I really want you guys to watch Mope. It's not the best Thanksgiving movie. Don't look anything else up. Don't look anything else up. Not the best Thanksgiving movie. There's a lot of nudity in it, but it is a it's it's Joker. It's Joker if Joker was real. So great movie. The final shot is the final shot is almost Twilight Zone esque. It's so creepy. The movie's funny. The movie's creepy. Mope. Dead Rabbit recommends Mope, and I'll go more into detail. I know this episode's a little freewheeling. I probably should have taken a shower before I started going, but I don't have time. Kinsey, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Hollywood. We're leaving behind this porno set. I definitely do need to take a shower now. We are headed all the way out to ancient Egypt. And we're back there. We're back in ancient Egypt. We're watching the pyramids get built. But we notice something. The Prince of Egypt, <laughs> that movie lied to us. There's no slaves building the pyramids. We don't see Moses punching some dude in the face and then knocking the nose off the sphinx. We see just these alien craft floating overhead. And tractor beams. <laughs> moving the giant rocks from place to place. And... I look at you and I go, I guess I owe you five bucks. I'm not a big believer in ancient aliens, but here we go. It only it only took a time machine for you to earn five dollars from me. And I had this thought the other day, and I'm not a big believer in ancient aliens, but I'm open to stuff, right? I'm not going to say that I would never believe in it. I just haven't don't believe the evidence I've seen. But I had a thought the other day, really kind of depressing thoughts. Well, depressing might not be the right word, but let's take a look. We've already talked about souls trapped in hell and a real-life story about a man who just wanted a little friendship and ended up doing horrible things. But what if... Here, I think this this question people ask all the time when you're like religious or not, maybe, but you believe in aliens. Why is it that back in the days, miracles used to be commonplace? Like, if you look at religious stories, there's miracles constantly happening. And then even if you look at, let's say, through up to the Middle Ages, even in the Middle Ages, you had stories of shapeshifters, like openly told stories about shapeshifters and witches, and you had the entire church looking, hunting for devil worshippers who were flying around the sky on brooms or turning into werewolves. And we don't see any of that stuff nowadays. Or if we do, it's relegated to the back page of some obscure website or podcast. But we're definitely not seeing it in the grand scale that we saw in the past, and especially when you look at religious stuff. Burning bushes, entire movements of people being directed by God, manna coming from heaven, all this stuff. We don't see, there's no corollary to that. And when we look at aliens, the ancient aliens' belief is they came down to us. The aliens were openly engaged with humanity and directed us to build these monuments, helped us build these structures, gave us technology, gave us culture, gave us civilization. But not anymore. Now, the best you will get 
is some guy saying he got abducted with absolutely no evidence. Maybe his sleeping cap was burned off by a plasma ray or a blurry photo. So why was it the entire Egyptian civilization was created by these aliens or the civilizations in South America were created by these aliens? Why aren't they coming back anymore? You could say, Jason, they're here all the time. We got these photos of these UFOs. We got these people who are being abducted. They're no longer creating great works on Earth. If you believe in the ancient alien theory, and so for the rest of the segment, I believe in that. Again, I, I'm skeptical towards it. But for sake of argument, if we believe in the ancient alien theory, why aren't they building cities now? New Orleans gets wiped out by Hurricane Katrina, and then a mothership shows up, and they're like, we will help you rebuild a better New Orleans. No more of that horrible jazz music. We're actually banning it. And everyone agrees, except for a few jazz-influenced freedom fighters who I quickly rat out. I'm like, it's those guys. I'd recognize those trumpets anywhere. How come they're not doing that? And then I thought of something. What if they don't like us anymore? Like, haven't you ever had... That friend, and again, this kind of reminded me of Mope, too. But haven't you ever had that friend? Or sometimes we are that friend, right? I've been on both sides of this. I've been a friend, and I've been the other... <laughs> Let me explain what it is. So, it's where you just start to grow apart. You don't necessarily dislike the person. Just your interests have changed so much that you've just kind of grown apart. I have some great friendships. I'm very, very proud. It's one of the things I'm most proud of is the friendships I've forged over the years time, distance, you know, usually they do get strained, you know, just physically, but all, like, my good friends, I can run into at a bar tomorrow, and we're like, talking about, like, old times. Did you hear did you hear Patty Jenkins not directing the new Star Wars movie anymore? Oh, yeah, yeah. Started talking all that nerd stuff we used to talk about. That's true, by the way. She got, she quit. But we also have those friends that we just outgrow. And sometimes I've been that friend. I've been the friend that someone I'm close to, they just go to a different level of their life and I'm no longer part of that. And it hurts, right? And I have also done that. I've been like, well, you know, I'm kind of moving past that. Like, I'm not that type of person anymore, so I'm not going to be hanging out with this dude. I, I haven't done it a lot, but we do it. And what if that's where we're at with aliens? What if they don't want anything to do with us anymore? It's such an interesting thought, because I was thinking this, and I go, what if we were more advanced in ancient Egyptian times than we are today? But everything today is just sugar. Everything else today is just a frosty coating covering up the horribleness of what we've become. Sure, technologically we're more advanced, but are we more advanced spiritually? Are we more advanced on a metaphysical level? Because we can go from horse and chariots to hypersonic missiles. But that gulf is nothing to a spacefaring race. Like, that's nothing. That would be the equivalent of an ant going, Well, sure, yesterday I was only carrying one piece of sugar, but today I'm carrying three. We'd be like, who cares? Get out of my house. I wouldn't say that. I love ants. I'd give them some extra sugar. But... That would be us going from the horse and chariot to a hypersonic missile that can fly around the world twice and then land in the ocean. Aliens are like, that's really all you got? On a spiritual level, 
on a metaphysical level where we were in direct communication with the gods back then. Have we pedaled backward? Oh, I don't believe in gods. I'm going to look through this microscope and see a little germ. That means gods don't exist. Now I have a cell phone. We're more advanced than we were back then. What if that is all window dressing? And we're no longer interesting. The, in, the alien showed up for a period of time in human history where we were at the top of the game. We had mastered the elements. We had, were able to build shelter. We were able to hunt game. We were able to control fires. All of these things that were huge leaps from being a monkey in a tree, eating roots that would take you six hours to chew, just to be able to get some nutrients out of it, to building a sphinx. That's massive. That's two different species. Building a sphinx to building the Empire State Building, is, it, the only difference is the material and the ease that we do it. So that what if that was our peak and aliens were like, dude, this is dope, and they come down there and they help us build these structures and they trade information with us and they give us these stories of God and creation and the universe and man's place in the world. And then we just got lame. And the aliens saw that. Haven't you ever had a job you're passionate about or a hobby you were passionate about or anything? And you are doing it and eventually it's just not as cool as it used to be. And then you kind of force it for a while because you don't want to give it up, the sunken cost fallacy. But then you just got to go, oh, you know, I'm just not having fun, you know, kiteboarding or I'm not having fun quilting or whatever. Or my job, I'm just, the job started off really cool, but now I'm just, my heart's not in it. And then you leave. What if aliens have done that to us? And all of this technological stuff, it's boring to them. They First off, it's not advanced to them at all. And they're like, you guys, you guys used to be cool way back in the day. We used to hang out with you. But now you guys are just, you guys think you know everything. And oh, rockets, you have a rocket. Woo! It was way better when you guys could look up and just see the galaxy. There are no lights. No electricity. You guys had it figured out. Sure, sure, disease and warfare killed a lot of you, but you guys are you guys are still doing that now. The alien ships we see, maybe even UFO sightings, modern UFO sightings, are almost some sort of prehistoric memory. We're looking up, and and it's like a evolutionary fluke that we're actually not seeing these things. Or the aliens we do run into are just checking in on us. Oh yeah, they're still still dumb. They're still fighting with each other over meaningless things. Ripping up the earth for these minerals and these rare earth metals and just scarring the planet to have the newest piece of phone that's made by slave labor of their own species. They're enslaving one part of their species to help another part of their species. It's barbaric. I mean, sure, the Egyptians had slaves, but they were far... They, they, that was a newer civilization. We figured they'd grow out of it in, say, 3,000 years. But here they are. There's more slaves today than there ever were back then. I'd argue there's more slaves now than there was entire human population back then. So the question might not be, are we alone in the universe? The question may be, how come they haven't come back? They were here once. They interacted with humanity on such a level that we can look at structures on Earth and we can look at these myths that all talk about beings coming from the sky that is universal from across the planet. 
They used to be here, and now we suck. And they've stopped coming, and they may have not have come for a while. Every so often, a ship may show up. Every so often, a ship may crash. But we may never see them come back in any real substantial way. Because if you believe in ancient aliens, they were here, and they left their mark on the planet in a very positive way. They help societies grow. How come they're not doing that now? And I think we might have to come to a realization that the truth is not out there. The truth used to be here. But they've left us. Just like a dad walking out on a family. They left us. You may want all your life for that dad to come back in. But he's not coming back. Maybe you see a dad-shaped silhouette walking through a crowded Kmart. You dad. It's not him. Maybe, maybe your dad is making crop circles one day. You're like, oh, dad, maybe he's in the cornfield. And you go, there's just a bunch of crop circles, but your dad still is not there. Maybe someone takes a blurry photo, a blurry photo of your dad walking through the forest. I think the analogy has run its course. But my point is, is that what would be worse? Never, ever, ever having any proof that aliens ever existed and it always being a theory. Or, knowing they used to be here, they used to interact with humanity, they used to love us as intergalactic neighbors, and now they're gone forever. They dislike us so much, they have left the solar system alone. What's worse? Never having been loved? Or losing that love. It comes down to that immortal statement. It is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. But would it really be better to know that aliens used to embrace humanity and used to guide us and now they don't? Because we're just not impressive. We're not cool. We're not on the right path. We're so far from the right path. They don't even want to come back and show us. What would be more heartbreaking? To never know whether or not aliens exist. To constantly live in a universe where we don't know if we're the only ones around. Or to know without a shadow of a doubt that we used to be worthy of intergalactic neighbors. That we used to be worthy of a cosmic brotherhood. That we as a species used to be so loved that aliens would travel the cosmos just to hang out with us and guide our society. I honestly don't know what's worse. I don't know if it would be worse to never know if aliens were out there and to just figure we were alone, or to think at one point we were worthy of a cosmic brotherhood, but we no longer are. It's like that child who keeps trying to be better at everything, trying to impress a parent, being better at piano, getting better grades, getting a better job, finding the perfect spouse, and they're not doing it for themselves, they're doing it to impress somebody else, and that other person is not paying attention. That other person is in another galaxy. Is it truly to cut? Is it truly better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? And the only proof that we lost that love is the monuments and the myths that survived the ancient world. Relics of a time when humanity was accepted into a cosmic brotherhood.
they also are constant reminders that for whatever reason, we are now alone and ignored. Silently and forever, floating through the darkness of an unforgiving galaxy. Happy Thanksgiving, just like they won. Happy Thanksgiving, deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Deadrabbitradio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys, and a happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.